Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1725. Today's going to be fun. We're talking about private garages, places you can go hide away with your favorite rides. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Pontiac, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Brad Olashansky. Brad, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Happy to be here. All right. We're going to have some fun today. We are talking to a guy who's doing some really, really cool, unique stuff. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, though, Brad, I want you to share one little thing that most people don't know about you. Well, there's lots of little things people don't know about me, but one of the most, uh, I guess, interesting is that I was a personal assistant to Florence Henderson. Uh, That was in the 80s, late 80s. The Brady Bunch. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) She's great. Yeah. She seemed like a very nice lady. Of course, you know, the mother Brady, I mean, that persona was very nice, but she always, to me, seemed like a very nice person. What was one of the unique unique things, let's say one unique thing you had to do as a personal assistant to Florence Henderson? Well, she was actually, it was in the summertime. She was performing at a summer theater in Northern Michigan. And I was her, you know, kind of person to lead, lead the way, show her where to go, the lay of the land. You know, this is a person who lived in LA her whole life and comes up to uh, Northern Michigan. So I was basically like her personal tour guide. So lots of, you know, everything from showing her where to eat. I mean, it became her like, it wasn't even an assistant job. It's like, I was her, uh, her uh, companion, <laughs> basically. Yeah. It was great. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Well, uh, you may be close to the top 10 answers for that question here on Cars. Yeah, that's very, very different. Well, allow me to give you a proper introduction and we'll talk about Brad and his very Brady lifestyle here. So Brad Olashansky is the founder and CEO of the Motor Enclave. After careers as an entertainment attorney, he joined a digital marketing firm and then he later orchestrated its sale and became their CEO. He later left to develop and build M1 Concours, automotive enthusiast destination in Pontiac, Michigan. It became the largest private garage community in the world. His next venture was the launch of the Motor Enclave, the first ever unified brand for experiential automotive communities. Say that five times fast. The Motor Enclave is currently developing projects in Tampa, Florida, Columbus, Ohio, and Nashville, Tennessee. Brad is a two-time winner of the prestigious Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. He is an active member of the Young President's Organization and sits on the advisory board of Huron River Ventures, and he's also a board member for ORT, a global charity-focused educational program, as if he's not busy enough in his current life. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to Brad about this incredible project he's working on. But first, a word from our valued sponsors. They make this show possible. So give them a listen, and we'll be right back. Stay buckled up. The best way to protect your vehicles is with a quality-made, custom-fit car cover made by Covercraft. It's the best way to preserve your vehicle along with the meanings, memories, and experiences that they give us. I've been protecting my vehicles with Covercraft since 1975. That's right. You'll find a multitude of options depending upon your individual needs 
indoor covers, including form fit, fleece satin, and their unique view shield. Need a cover that will protect your ride outside? Their quality options include Weather Shield, Weather Shield HD, Weather Shield HP, Sumbrella, Reflect, Carhartt, Evolution, and NOAA. Covers for cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and watercraft are all available. Whether you're looking for rain protection, UV shielding from the sun's damaging rays, breathability, dust protection, snow protection, ding protection, and protection from those paint-destroying bird droppings. Live in a windy area? Covercraft Gust Guards are a must-have option. Worried about theft? They also offer cable locks and built-in grommets that keep your cover safely on your vehicle. Their website makes ordering fast and easy, and their talented customer service department will walk you through any of the questions you might have. They can customize a cover for almost any vehicle. And I've got a deal for you. Use the code YEAH120 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code Yeah, Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Brad, as we continue on this journey that I'm going to call your life, I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has a meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, so Brad, grab the wheel. I think I live uh, live by the mantra that life is a journey uh, and continue to, continue, continue learning is the key. Uh, you know, that's really... Everything happens for a reason, and my career path is evidence of that. If you, if anyone would ask me where I am today, thirty years ago, I would have said there's no possible way I would be doing that. Uh, so you know, it's a journey, and you got to, like you said, gotta buckle up and go for the ride. Well, when I looked at your resume, I had to kind of pare it down; otherwise, we'd still be talking right now about that <laughs> resume. And I looked at what you've done, and I went, "Wow, this guy is one of these typical Type A's." I mean, he gets involved in things, goes deep gets involved in the next thing, goes deep, gets involved in the next thing. And where you've landed today is really fascinating to me. It's one of these new things that really has grown over the years. And I've had many guests on the show that are doing something similar, but you are taking this to a entirely new top shelf level. So tell me and tell our listeners today everything about what you're doing at the Motor Enclave. So, I mean, the, the Motor Enclave is a sort of a culmination of the last seven years in building M1 Concourse. 
you know, the quick story was I was an entertainment lawyer for a long time in LA. Then I worked at the digital marketing shop and I, I've learned about a lot about business and law and marketing and licensing and branding. And when I built M1, it was really, you know, started out as a passion project. I quickly realized that passion projects are almost always financial losers. I did, I met all these wonderful people that started their dream golf course, airport, marine or airport community, flying community, marinas, racetracks, drag strips, and the land is littered with very wealthy people who drop a ton of money to build their dream. And then they wake up three, four or five years later and say, what did I do? So when I kept hearing those stories, I said, well, I don't want to be that person. And I figured out taking my data-driven approach from my marketing days, you know, maybe we could do this and find the right locations, find the right customers, and actually from day one, charge the right amount of money and also not overbuild. Um, what I also discovered is that passion projects are all about convenience. And I was surprised that so many of these projects around the country and around the world were not in convenient locations because that's where a wealthy person you know, wanted to build it because he either had a vacation home there or found cheap land or whatever reason. And then they're not as successful as they could be because they're trying to find customers just like them. But when you think about motorsports, you know, racing is such a narrow audience and then racing with people that have money is an even narrower audience. You know, I like the car enthusiast audience because it's millions and millions of people. Racing audience are tens of thousands of people and the racing audience with people that actually have money to spend is very minute. And I knew that you had to find customers that had disposable income. So that's sort of what led to, you know, finding the, the balance of the right business model to build what is now here. I'm sitting in my garage in Michigan. You know, you mentioned it's the largest in the world. We, we've sold over 250 garages here. Our garages are, you know, deeded condos. I learned that was successful uh, in many places in Europe and in particular a project in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, I wanted to build a community of, of garages for people to enjoy their passion and have a private dedicated space. And then the, the track element was really born out of, I wasn't going to do a track because tracks don't make money. What I didn't realize is that those tracks that other people have built in these rural areas often, and there's half a dozen of them around the country here in the U.S., they were targeting enthusiasts. Well, when I started talking to the auto industry, the response was, how can we not build in a track? And I said, tracks don't make money. And they said, well, no, you're thinking about it from an enthusiast perspective. We rent tracks all the time for testing and training and marketing purposes. Right. And we pay lots of money to do that. So I decided I'm going to build a track for my garage owners, but monetize it through corporate business for ride and drives and dealer training and, and public events and private events and driving schools. So anyway, that that's what we built here in Michigan. And without getting into the whole story of how M1 happened, which was a, a crazy story. It's a formal General Motors factory property that I bought out of the GM bankruptcy and nobody would invest in. And everyone said I was crazy. <laughs> um, I actually pre-sold 18 uh, or 80 units, $15 million of garages before I broke ground. And that gave confidence to uh, the banks to help me out. And anyway, that took off and, and became M1. And M1 is truly a phenomenon, but it's all about location. M1 is on Woodward Avenue in Pontiac, Michigan, very close to where people live. And that's why we, we have the levels of sales and membership we have in corporate engagement. And then I'll talk about uh, the Motor Enclave. Uh, if you want me to start now or is there other questions in the middle? <laughs> you know, this is really fascinating and I love this because everything you've said, I'm sitting here going, yes, 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 because I've been around the automotive industry. I've seen this over and over again, talk to people and you're exactly right in every case, but it really goes back to three simple words. Actually, it's the same word said three times when it comes to real estate, location, location, location. And so many of the things, especially tracks are built so far away it's like, who wants to go all the way out there? Why would they go yeah. all the way out there? And I mean, you've you've unwrapped the perfect little genie in the bottle here by looking at it from a real estate venture and also having deeded 
properties, basically, just like condos, where people eventually, when they get old or retire out or pass away in their family, they can sell that unit for some value because there's going to be somebody else that wants to come along. It's a brilliant business proposition. And the fact that a business guy went into this versus not that you're not passionate, a passionate car guy with, you know, a lot of money went into this makes the world of sense. So talk about this latest project and how it's evolved from M1 and what makes it different and what has you so excited every day about this? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've zoned in on all the key elements. I mean, projects that lease garages don't work because people won't become best in the community, deck their garages out, invest heavily, and then want to spend time there and really never sell it except for, you know, they, they transition out of the world. Two is location. No one's going to use it if I can't use it every day. You know, there's beautiful facilities like Thermal and Autobahn and Spring Mountain and NOLA and AMP and Monticello and all these places, but they're far away. So you're really only attracting a very racing-oriented crowd. I want to attract a thermal enthusiast. So as I built M1, I was getting calls after we, were, after we were successful from people around the country saying, I've got land, I've got money, you should come do this in Austin, Scottsdale, Tampa, Atlanta, Connecticut, here and there and everywhere. And I started flying around and I said, wow, maybe it's not just Detroit you know, that I could do this at scale. But I also had a lot of clients that were saying, we love what you did with the M1 because it's different than everywhere else. It's really a marketing platform. It's not a real estate venture. It's not a club for a bunch of high net worth individuals. Right. It's all about engaging customers at different levels and different audiences. You know, we, we do everything here at M1 from free cars and coffee where you can get a, we'll feed you, give you a free cup of coffee and a donut to you can buy a multi-million dollar garage. <laughs> everything, everything in between. That was the most expensive donut I ever ate, honey. <laughs> I've read that before. That's funny you say that because a lot of people say, I become friends with so many people through this business, which is the, is the pure joy part of the business and why I'm doing what I'm doing next. Uh, but people say, like, you're the most expensive friend I have. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're providing a dream resolution or solution, I should say, for people that want a place to keep their toys. Most people, even if they have a huge home, don't have a garage big enough for everything. And even people that, you know, are modest collectors. Uh, I have a, a good friend here that has 11 cars. He's got a nice big garage, but he can't fit them all in there. So they're spread out to all these different places. And as a result, he doesn't use them. And then he starts to get kind of like, oh, maybe I don't need all these cars. And But he's in a, in a city. So there's nowhere that has this nearby. And then if you add a track to it, because he likes to race and uh, yeah, there's all those components. So you're fulfilling a, a lot of needs with solutions to dreams, really. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, actually, my tagline for the new business is live your dream by owning it. Ah. Um, play on words, but you're, you're 100%, you're, you're 100% spot on. You're, you're kind of zoning around the nuances of the business, which I would say is the secret sauce that some people are figuring <laughs> out now. But one of the most surprising thing is my customers, many of them are not people that you would look at and say, that's a car enthusiast because many of my customers don't even have a car when they buy the garage. And people say, really? I don't wow. understand. Well, many of the customers come and say, I'm a doctor. I've always wanted to own that Porsche 911 that I saw in high school or that Testarossa or that whatever Jeep. And I never had a place to keep it. I never had a place to drive it. My wife won't let me have it. There's lots of different reasons. But all of a sudden, I'm 46 years old. I got a little bit of disposable income. And you can make my dream come true because I can buy the garage. I can buy the car. And then I can have a place to watch football and be with other people. You know, what I'm selling is, you know, storage is the justification. But it's all about community and camaraderie. Right. And that's the big differentiator for me. I don't just also sell them the box. I also help them build it and turn it, you know, finish it out of cheer. But then the most, the key differentiator, which no one else I can tell out there does, is I program the lifestyle. 
Every day we have events, activities, speakers, drives, European trips. We have sponsors and affinity partners, and we we bring in opportunities for people to drive cars. And and when they rent the track here, we let our customers first who already own garages drive the track to sponsors and car companies. We have a built-in audience of their target clients. So it's it really is synergistic. And and so back to why I'm doing it at a, at a bigger scale. So many people are calling me. So I saw the opportunity. I, I delved back into the data and realized that. There's probably much bigger markets outside of Detroit. Detroit obviously has a huge number of car enthusiasts, but there's a lot more wealth and better weather and things in other places to create year-round venues. And, um, you know, so the data said, you should do this. Customers were saying, I wish you had one of these in Florida because I could spend half the year there too. I love it so much. Other sponsors were saying, we love what you've done at M1. No one's ever sort of created that platform for us to market to customers the way you do. Because usually they're just private storage condos, right? Right. Um, ours is really about a community, engaged community that we can present to sponsors and, and, and interact with them. So they said, if you could bring more facilities to bear, you know, we would spend more money with you to get to those customers and do cooler things. So I said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if you could have multiple sites, have reciprocity for members. So if I owned a garage in Detroit, I could go to the facility in Tampa and drive or if I owned a garage in Nashville, I could go to Scottsdale to do X, Y, and Z. Um, so my, my vision sort of came together that if I could create a brand, I call it a unified brand, but if I could create a platform and a brand where we could use the same marketing, the same branding, the same digital, the same back office, they, yes, they are real estate projects, but they become an operating business. And that's another benefit of this business is when you build a car condo community, you know, standalone, you might be able to make a lot of money if you do it well. But you're, it's one and done. You're out. You build it for X, sell for Y, and you're done. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to create annuity revenue streams. And it goes back to the idea of like, how do you create a business out of, you know, my passion? You know, we didn't talk about how I got in this, but, you know, I grew up around cars on Woodward. My dad was a hot rodder, yeah. chopping up cars in our garage. I drove a 55 Chevy in high school in the 80s. But this vision of the motor enclave, and the reason I chose the name was really that's what people called M1. Like, it's an enclave. It's a safe place. It's a, you got Detroit, the metro you know, Detroit car scene and Woodward Avenue, people all, all around town. And that's actually what started. I was driving up and on Woodward for years and all I had to do was get ice cream and go home. I had nowhere to go. And yeah. um, so I said, you know, how do you bring up, you know, how do you, how do you create that enclave on a, at a scale level and give people the, the safe place? Cause I think that's a, that's a key component of my customers. My customers generally on the garage component, and again, I said the customers span average Joe to multi-billionaire, but the average customer here, you know, if I'm selling garages that start at 175 grand and go up to millions of dollars, they have to have some level of, of uh, extra disposable income. Right. They are often not very flashy. You know, car people, there's a big distinction between, and I, I don't use this term in my marketing, but there's a difference between a car guy who's rich and a rich guy who's, who likes cars. Yeah. And, you know, my customer is not buying a Lamborghini to park in front of the restaurant and show off. My customer is buying a Lamborghini because he aspired to have a Lamborghini. He likes engineering, design, quality, whatever the reasons are. And they want to be around other people to talk about it all day. The guy who buys the Lamborghini parked in front of the restaurant, when you say, what model is that? He just says, I don't know. It's, the doors go up and it's green. And I know people <laughs> look at it. So that's the kind of the audience I want to go after. It's a true, passionate uh, enthusiast. And, and it doesn't. it's not all about cars. You know, These spaces have become predominantly about cars. Uh, but I've got people that are into golf, have golf simulators, people that want to watch sports and have great you know, theaters. I have people that want to smoke cigars and have cigar lounges. Yeah. I would say 90% are cars downstairs, 
office entertainment space, man cave, whatever you want to call it, upstairs. Yep. And that's what we're doing at scale now. Yeah. It's awesome. Brilliant. Love it. Well, I always ask my guests about a big challenge in their life. No doubt with all the things you develop and built and just building this empire, definitely you've met with some challenges, but I want you to walk us through one, but more importantly, what was the best lesson you learned from it that you could take forward in a positive way? Yeah. I mean, the biggest challenge, and I've experienced lots of challenges in my career and, and learn, and it's all, I, again, I look at it as the journey and, and learning. And I'm, while I'm a perfectionist, I was fortunate my father told me early on, like, you, you won't achieve perfection. There's 25% of people won't show up to work. 25% of people screw up things. 25% of people won't do it the way you do it. <laughs> so the biggest challenge I would say is it was M1, building M1 Concourse. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a success in my legal career, success in my entrepreneurial career with the, with the marketing company. Then I go out and I start this this business, and every single person I meet looks at me, scratches his head, and says, "You are out of your mind. Yeah. You're talking about one building on a environmentally challenged former General Motors property. That's what they thought because they thought it was, an old, it was a hundred old auto factory, but it turns out it wasn't very environmentally challenged. I didn't know that when I bought the property. <laughs> Two is you're building in Pontiac, Michigan. Nobody goes to Pontiac, Michigan at the time. Pontiac, Michigan, unfortunately, which it's a phenomenal city with amazing history, automotive history." No developer was spending money on Pontiac for 40 years. It was decimated when GM pulled out of Pontiac and it had trouble and nobody, anyone that tried to invest in Pontiac lost their butt. And then the, the last thing was they just said, it, it's a grand vision. And they kept, and people kept saying to me, and I, and I think Roger Penske even was one of the guys that said this to me, this would have been done if it was a good idea. You know, it would have done guys, guys we know, you know, it's just, this is not, this is Detroit. Like someone would have done car condos here before if there was a need for it. Right. So I heard everybody saying, who wants that? Everyone's got this. No one's going to do this. And every time, and I just kept my head down and I kept knocking down the barriers. You know, I had to get the support of the city, I had to get the support of the county, I had to figure out how to get the land deal done. You couldn't just buy this, you had to pitch the federal government on your business plan. I had all these people saying, You're crazy. My family is like, Why are you blowing, you know, all this money? And what I realized is I really believed in the in the end vision. I'm a very I put something on the wall and I, I, you know, try and get to that achieve that yep. next to me. Um, and we're not on camera, but next to me is a Ferrari Testarossa white on white. And I had that on my wall as a kid, a Miami vice, you know, poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I kept it on my wall my whole life. And I said, I want to own a white on white Testarossa. And that's a whole nother story. It's a great story. But <laughs> how, I, how I stumbled across the car. And apparently there's very, very few white on white Testarossas, but you know, I looked at the end and I said, you know what? I'm the customer. I know I would buy that garage. I know I would want to hang out with other people that are like me. I know other people have done a success in other cities on a much smaller scale. And I know the car companies need to do things that are unique because I, I was I was a marketer. Yeah. I didn't know for sure because I hadn't talked to them yet. And you know, I just kept my head head down, extremely financially challenged, you know, using personal capital to a degree that no reasonable person should do. You know, doing things that were, were were risky, and and both from a career perspective. You know, if I would have done this and blown all the money, and then had nothing to show except for everyone saying I told you so. Yeah. Um, but I really believed in it, and I had seen proof points in other places. If I hadn't seen projects in places like Minneapolis, where it's not even a real car town, I wouldn't have done it. And I wouldn't have done a track, by the way. Tracks are the worst business you could be in. Until the car company said to me, "You need to build a track here for us, yes. not for enthusiasts." Yeah. So now we got something for everybody, and and you know it's funny. I'm back at it again, and in each city I go to, the same conversation. <laughs> Even though people are like, "You're crazy. This will never work. You'll never get approved. It's too big." And my Tampa project's gonna be bigger than M1, and I and I know it's gonna be a home run. There's a massive market there. It's just like Michigan, low key people, lots of money, huge car scene. There's even a bigger motorsport scene down there. Columbus and Nashville was where I'm, I'm actually only doing garage condos in a clubhouse, no track. 
You'll never get a track approved in most cities. And then I've got some, you know, sort of very important nuances of how I get a track approved because, you know, we're not a sanctioned racetrack. Other guys want to do sanctioned racing and high-end racing. And all. Yeah. I don't want to do racing. I could care less about racing. I want to just have a safe and controlled environment to have fun and drive cars. Yep. And when you don't call yourself a racetrack, you fall into a lot of other areas to be able to, yeah. I wouldn't say it's much easier to get approved, but easier to get approved yeah. than if you're a sanctioned racetrack. Yeah. You know, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you a little thought as you're talking about this. I've had talks with people that the future of the automobile, the combustion gasoline automobile, uh, you know, will go away at some point. I know that's way down the road with EVs, but I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, you know, that's what happened with horses. Horses went away, but they never went away. And now they're just something special that people ride in certain places. I see that happening with cars, antique cars, collectible cars in the future. You go someplace to enjoy them. So you're building a future <laughs> that you may not even be around to see, but somebody will be running it in the future. So I think it's brilliant. Let's take a short break. We come back. We're going to talk a little bit about your passion for cars and that white Testarossa that I see over your shoulder there. So uh, sit tight. Keep the seatbelts on. This is a fascinating ride. We'll be right back with Brad. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, Precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the Apex with its full-bodied smooth finish. An added very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip apex, reminiscent of Turn 4 at Laguna Seca. The racing series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYEAH. Cheers! Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at CARSYEAH, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. 
That's www.americascarmuseum.org. All right, Brad, we're back. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about that pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. You talked about driving a 57 Chevy and your dad and all that. So was there a moment in your life that you can look back and go, yeah, that's when I decided? That's funny. I was probably five years old because my father built a 1923 Model T hot rod in our garage uh-huh. with a crazy full-blown all chrome everything. And he used to tell me when I was older, uh, you know, probably when I was 10, 11, 12, if you polish the car, if you polish that engine, which was like a months-long project that needed it every year, so you polish that, one day I'm let you drive that. Yeah. And I polished and polished and polished day in and day out. And that's where I sort of got the bug. And then I was always into cars throughout my normal, you know, career life before I got into the space. And I had nice cars. I went to car, every car show and every Concours and, you know, had always hot, hopping up my car and tuning my car. And, and, but I never had any exotics or classics. I always just had, you know, I had a, at the time it wasn't really exotic, but I had a Toyota Supra. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, you know, when the Infinity came out, I had the first Infinity when I had my first legal job, which was kind of a mundane car, but I decked it out. I had a crazy Lexus SC400 I couldn't afford. And the, the Lexus deal in Beverly Hills, California, I, you know, I kept looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. I couldn't afford the payment. The guy calls me and goes, you know, you looked at the car a million times and I know you said you can't afford it, but we just got one in and we'll lease it to you for, it was like $400 a month. It was like half of what it should have been. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, why? And he said, well, it was custom ordered by a wrap producer and uh he backed out on it and you come look at the car and you do it so i went to look at the car it was a, it was a paint to sample bright purple metallic car <laughs> so, so i just wanted the car i drove that car for two years at the, like half the price and everybody at least people used to drive up to me and go they see me driving and go what is this all about yeah, what's, with, what's with your rapster car <laughs> exactly so anyway as i sort of moved in towards having some more business success and you know, I always dreamt of owning a Ferrari. And uh, after we had sold our business in 2008, the digital marketing company, well, actually, there's a great story there. When I joined that company, uh, it was a husband and wife that had this small little business and we ended up growing together. When I joined the company in 2004, we talked about success. And what would, what would I actually, actually asked them, what, what would they, how would they measure success for me coming in, moving back to Michigan from LA and having no connection to the business? And they said, you know, if we can sell the company one day for X amount, like we'll do anything for you. And I said, okay, well, when that happens, I want you to buy me a Bentley. I always wanted a Bentley for some reason. <laughs> Fast forward 2008, four years later, we sell the company for a lot more than we even talked about. And uh, they bought me a Bentley Continental convertible and it was in my driveway as a surprise. Nice. And like, who does that? So, you know, that was my first actually high-end car. And then I actually traded it into it for another Bentley. And then I always wanted to own a Ferrari and my dad had uh, numerous Ferraris over the years. My father had a ton of classic cars and always wanted a Ferrari as well. And one day he's like, I'm done with all the old cars. He's sold a bunch of, you know, handful of cars and, and bought a Ferrari and then had another Ferrari every few years. Yeah. And that was his really pure joy. And I always wanted to get a, a Ferrari. And finally I had the opportunity in 2013, I think I bought a, a 458 uh, Spider. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a minute about that Testarossa because obviously it's special to you. And I always talk about uh, special cars. Uh, as I see it sitting there, uh, white on white. Yeah, Sonny Crockett. Uh, remember those shows very well. And, you know, when they blew up that that uh, Daytona he had, I know we all know it wasn't a real one, but it was just devastating at the time. Like, oh my gosh, they blew up his Daytona. What's he going to be driving next year? Uh, and it was that white Testarossa. So talk a little bit about that car. Where Where'd you find it? So I always wanted a white and white Tesla, as we said. 
and I, I'm building M1 and I go to sell the garage to a guy. And I always ask these customers when I, was, when I sell the garage, by the way, I personally sold every garage here. I didn't have salespeople. Wow. I wanted to, this is a pitch in my vision and I was the customer. So most of these people, I think my success is based on that. I was able to have an authentic conversation with them, but it right. just wasn't some salesperson. And I would ask people, what kind of cars are you going to do? What do you have? And this guy looked at me and says, well, what's your dream car? And I said, and he was buying a very large garage, probably 600 grand. And um, I said, I always want a white and white Testarossa. And he goes, and the guy scratches his head and says, I think I have one of those. And I said, what do you mean you think? He goes, he goes well, I have a, and this guy had a lot of cars. He said, I bought five years ago, I bought a car, but I had to buy three cars to get the one car. And I, I think there's a Testarossa. He picks up the phone, he calls the local Ferrari dealer. And he says, do I have a white Testarossa there? <laughs> do and I have a white Testarossa? The guy goes, yes. He goes, what color is the interior? And he says, I don't know. He goes, well, go look in the interior. He calls back five minutes and he goes, it's white. Oh. I said, that's crazy. And there's literally supposedly like six white and white testerosis. Yeah. You know, all white. And uh, he said, you want it? And I said, yeah. And I go, but, and I said, I just, I won't barter. I don't negotiate on garages. Cause that, that's something that comes up often. I like, I learned not to ever negotiate on the price of the garage or barter or anything. Cause everyone will talk to each other. All these guys talk to each other. Right. He said, you know what? It's sitting in a warehouse. I didn't even know I barely had it. I'll sell it to whatever I paid for it. He called me the next day. He says, this is what it was worth when I paid for it. And you can have it. And wow. I bought it. And nice. it turns out it's a very low mile, perfect condition car. Never been touched. Yeah. Um, I had Ferrari's, you know, classic K, the car. And it's a beautiful car. It's not a great driver, as you know. Testarossas are not known to yeah, be the best Yeah, I've driver. driven a Testarossa or two, yeah. <laughs> but to, uh, to look at it, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, special car for sure, period as well. Well, I'm going to crawl on your head here, Brad. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is your personality in a vehicle. I have a feeling it'd be kind of fast because I think you got and it'd have a, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of eye appeal. What kind of car would Brad be and more importantly, why? That's a great question. If you think about how asking my friends that question, it'd be interesting to hear the response. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, actually, a 49 Mercury chopped custom car, but with a modern engine, like a something crazy that people would not expect. You open the hood of a 49 Merc, but there's a there's a Hellcat engine in it. <laughs> okay. I kind of like that answer. So kind of walk me through the reasons why. 49. Yeah, I've always wanted a 49 Merc. That's another car on my list. Um, I used to go to the to the um, NHRA car shows here on Woodward Avenue at the State Fairgrounds. My whole childhood, we'd take my dad's 23 and he had a, he had a 32 Ford Phaeton also. And we parked there and we'd sit on a, lap, sit on a you know blanket all day and watch the people walk by and check out the other cars. And there were always a few super chop custom Mercs. And, and my father grew up in that world of on Woodward chopping cars apart. And we always, and he used to, he used to have, he had every, every issue of Hot Rod Magazine. And I used to just, you know, stare at these custom Mercs. Yeah. Even when I lived in LA for 12 years, I would see them at shows and, you know, they're always like beyond extreme. And you look at it and go, can you actually drive that car? And, you know, how do you see out the windows? <laughs> so if you think about the, the rationale for why I said that, which is a phenomenal question, is there's a lot of sizzle to what I do. Yeah. Um, but when you boil it down to this, you know, I hope people think there's a lot of substance and, and, and a lot of planning and a lot of people don't realize what goes into that custom chopped car is not as easy as just like Bondo and, and shaving and making it look good. I mean, you got to have engineering behind it. You got to make it work. You got to, you know, put a suspension and airbags. So I think that, and, and then the paint job and then the technology and, and sort of resto mod is the, is the second part, which is, you know, I have a 51 Pontiac chopped custom crazy car that a guy in LA built. I, I bought when I started M1 because it was 
built-in Pontiac the car and I use it for all my marketing. And it's not resto modded, but my you know my plan one day if I find time is to put a new chassis on it, new engine, new technology, so I can actually enjoy it. You know, the yeah. problem is that these old cars may look cool, but if you can't drive it, what's the point? Have you seen that car that uh, Jonathan Ward of Icon built, the 49 Mercury Coupe, the retro? Oh, yeah. yeah, I kind of oh, figured yeah. you knew what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do to my Pontiac. Okay, okay. Well, you know, he was guest number seven here. So now your car's yeah, alumni. You can give him a call and he'll build you whatever you want. Yeah, just get a big check golfer's checkbook out because there's a lot of zeros on that thing, but he does some amazing builds. Well, nice choice, my friend. Great answer to that question. All right, we're going to dive into what I call the last lap. This is kind of a lightning round, so I'm going to give you quick questions. I'm going to have you give me some quick answers. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? I would say uh, obsessive. <laughs> obsessive. Oh, really? Behavior. You think so? I don't know about that. Really, Brad? Come on, be honest with me here. Yeah, no kidding. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? I would say for sure, Henry Ford, just the innovation and the thought process, the business acumen and having grown up around Detroit and, the, and going to Henry Ford Museum as a kid my whole childhood, fascinated with his, his story and life story and the things he accomplished that are now people don't realize half the stuff he did, you know, um, that applied to the business world now. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Way far beyond what people say. Oh, the assembly line. No, no, no. <laughs> man, much more to that man's life than that. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, someone else ever offered you, this could be collecting, driving, whatever it might be. What's the best advice you've heard the best automotive advice i've ever heard probably comes down to collecting uh which is buy what you love and the rest will, will work itself out yeah. uh too many people i know especially in my business world here they're always like tell me the best car to buy for investment and it's sort of like they say the same thing with art for people's houses like buy what you want to hang on your wall yes buy what you want to look at buy what you want to drive yeah. And it shouldn't be about the investment. And it so happens if you ha have good taste, you probably can do very well. Right. Yeah. On most cars. So uh, I would think that's the best advice is just, you know, people look at my garage and they go, I don't understand what's going on here. You have a brand new Toyota Supra, you have a 51 Pontiac, you have a, a Tesserosa, you have an F12 Ferrari. What, where, what's the theme here? And I go, the theme is I just like each of these cars in a different way. Right. Yeah. No, it's fun to mix it all up. Now, when it comes to resources, there's a few that I'm going to put on the show notes page for you, Brad, here at the Cars yeah website. One will be www.m1concord. The other is going to be the Motor Enclave, the uh, website for Motor Enclave. So but I've got both of those on my list, but is there another go-to, something you find yourself on often that you'd like to share? That's a great question. And, I, and I'm sure every single person says bring a trailer. Well, <laughs> yeah, Randy hit a home run with that one, you know, uh, especially yeah, when you yeah. sold it to her. So he's a nice little cash, cash out. Plus he gets to still play in the world that he built. He's dreaming. Yeah. He's living the real dream. But uh, well, bring a trailer. Certainly a great one. And it bring continues to be. Yeah. Um, i trying to think of something unique. I think Haggerty, Haggerty Drivers Club uh, magazine and, and Haggerty, Haggerty Resource. I don't really go to Haggerty website for that, but uh -huh. I don't know if there's a Drivers Club website. That's good. They do a great job. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners should crack open and learn something from? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. Oh, yes. Okay. The Four Agreements. Yeah. Familiar with that book. Uh, what is it about that book that you like the most? I think it's just a, it's, it's kind of a practical self-help book disguised as a spiritual journey, I guess, you know, that sometimes a practical guide to personal freedom. So I think that, you know, think about what, what allows me to stay focused, even though 
I work too many hours and I have people telling me I'm nuts. <laughs> and it's, it's very complex stuff. Yeah. I think it's got some good, it's got some good morsels in it. Yeah, that book is by uh, Don Ruiz, I believe. And uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit. There was a book I read years ago on a vacation called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Have you ever heard of that book? I have not. Yeah, I'll have to uh, send you a link to that one. That's another one that's kind of introspective and thinking about things. Uh, They don't really relate, but they kind of do. So I'll I'll throw that one in there. You can find links to this book and everything Brad has shared on his very own show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Brad. I'm going to spell his last name, O-L-E-S-H. A-N-S-K-Y. Olashansky. That's a mouthful of a name you've got going there. We'll just call him Brad today and you'll be able to find him on the Cars yeah website. Brad, we're coming up to the checkered flag here. and This last question can be a bit of a doozy. It could be a little challenging, but maybe not. You already alluded to something here. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. Anything on the planet, doesn't matter where it is or who owns it, even if Ralphie has it in his garage, the guy with the polo pony shirts, uh, I'll get mm-hmm. it to you. But there are some rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or develop another piece of property. Uh, I want you to drive it and enjoy it, but it is the only collector car that you're going to have in that nice garage. It's going to have a lot of room around it, but it needs to be pretty special, needs to be ticking all the boxes. So what am I buying for you today, Brad? You're buying me a... Uh Pagani Huayra. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I got to spend a day with one of those when I was out at, uh, esoteric with Todd Cooper writer at his facility and they had one there and got to do a little short ride in that thing. And it's a, it's a piece of jewelry. Yes. That's that's what I love. That's what I love about it. I was at the Pagani factory two years ago with my son and I was blown away end to end, not just about the car, about his story. His story is absolutely incredible. I don't know if you've had him on this show. I've had his son, Christopher, on my show. Okay. Just a story, uh, you know, coming from nothing and becoming a janitor at Lamborghini and becoming a designer and all this stuff. I know. Um, Amazing. And I, and I think that it, it's truly the epitome of a, a great lifelong car story and, and, yeah. and passion. And the quality is, is, uh, is beyond. I mean, so I just, I, and I just did the gold rush rally few months ago and there's a guy driving a Pagani on it. And I was like, this thing, I, I study that car every night, the details. It's incredible. Every piece of it, you, you open it up and look at every little piece of it. And it is jewelry-like, you know? it To me, it it reminds me of the Bugatti Atlantique, the old car, and how jewelry-like that car was and all the little details. But of course, this thing is taking it into the future. Now, so that I get you the right one, since I have my connections there at Pagani, what color do you want yours to be? I would do a probably white and I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen white exposed carbon. They do all these exposed carbon blue and green and brown. Yeah. Okay. And I wonder, I wonder if they could do a white exposed carbon if I had to spec the car. Anything for you, Brad, I'll make a phone call. And we'll get that going. It may take a couple of years to build that thing, but uh, so, so sit tight. Brad, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I'm so happy we got to connect here. I want to do a shout out to a past Cars yeah guest, George Levy. He introduced me to Brad. Uh, he's the author of the Can-Am 50th anniversary book, which is awesome. George was on the show quite a while ago. I think he was guest 652, something like that. And we're up to 1725 now. I got to get George back. But he sends me people from time to time. And I'm so happy that he gave me your name. Before I let you drive off into the sunset down Woodward Avenue in that Pagani Huayra, uh, <laughs> could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance? I would say it's the same guidance I uh, I tell young kids when I when I meet with them or come across kids that are always wanting, they see this and they go, oh my God, it's my dream. I want to drive cars all day and race cars all day. And, and I would say that, you know, there's the most important thing is is persistence. Yep. You know, you talk about location, location, location. 
from a you know career perspective, it's persistence, persistence, persistence. <laughs> you know, persistence pays off. Yeah, and and then strategy. You you have to have strategy. If you're not if you're not strategic behind the scenes, you can talk all you want about things, and, and people. That's why most businesses fail. Is they might be persistent, they might have, be creative, they might have good connections, but if you're not strategic about how you do it and you just do everything each day the way you know, just on the spur of the moment, yeah. you're never going to get to the finish line. Yep, absolutely, great advice. What are the best ways for people to learn more about M1 and the Motor Enclave? Yeah, my uh, the main uh, website is themotoronclave.com, and uh, or like link in with me on LinkedIn under uh, Brad Olshansky or uh, the Motor Enclave also on on Facebook and Instagram. So that's the, the the main brand M1. Actually, I sold M1, so I don't own M1 anymore. I am a garage owner and member here, and that, which I get to enjoy it. So I don't have to work here every day when I'm here. <laughs> but uh, M1's phenomenal, and uh, but my my business going forward is is the Motor Enclave. There you go. I'll put all those links on Brad Shono's page so you can check it out. I encourage you to go to the website. You're going to be blown away by what you see. I mean, you're just going to start drooling. So have a drool cup because uh, that's what I was doing last night, getting ready for this interview. Oh my gosh, dreams can come true and Brad can help you make your dream come true. Brad, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your experience, your expertise, and for sharing an amazing story. I wish you the best success moving forward in this new year. I can't believe we made it to 2021. Oh gosh, let's uh, keep our thoughts positive that it improves. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you either down the road or at the Motor Enclave. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!